Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We just love the Lord all across the house today. Thank you, Jesus, for your many blessings. Thank you, God, for your tender mercies and your loving kindness, your compassions that fail not. Oh, hallelujah. Psalm 8 and 3 says, When I consider the heavens and the works of thy fingers and the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, what is man that thou art mindful of him? Uh, I don't even have to be a blip on his radar, but he cares for me. He cares for you. He knows exactly what we're facing together and what we're facing by ourselves. He's a God that loves us when we are unlovable. He cares for us when nobody cares. He believes in us in the lowest moments in life. No wonder the writer said he's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. I found him to be that friend. And if you have your Bibles, we're going to open and read from the book of 2 Chronicles, the 25th chapter. And we're going to begin at verse number 1. We're going to read verses 1 and 2 and also from verse 27 of the same 25th chapter of 2 Chronicles. It's always a joy to be in the house of the Lord. And it seems like in these uneasy and uncertain times, I don't want to take for granted one service. Because I don't know how long it will be before we'll be able to come back together. So I want to make sure I give God all of my praise, all of my worship, and hold nothing back from Him. But it's so wonderful to see each and every one of you give honor to Pastor and Sister Boyd. So thankful that my family is with me, and uh, thankful that the church family's here. So many times in life, when my real family wasn't there, the church family was there. People I could lean on and depend on that are reliable through the thick and through the thin. So I love the family of God. Second Chronicles chapter 25, verse number 1, and it tells us this, Amaziah, was twenty and five years old when he began to reign. And he reigned twenty and nine years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Johadadan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. He did that which was right in the sight of the Lord, but not with a perfect heart. Now let's flip over to verse 27, the same chapter. It says, Now after the time that Amaziah did turn away from following the Lord, they made a conspiracy against him in Jerusalem, and he fled to Lachish. But they sent to Lachish after him and slew him there. Verse 27 sums up the terrible end of this king of Jerusalem. But I want to focus our attention on the second verse, because I believe that 
the end happened because of what had taken place at the beginning. Verse number 2 says, He did what was right, but not with a perfect heart. I want to speak to us today on this subject, but is your heart perfect? But is your heart perfect? Can we lift our hands to heaven? And let's pray and let's ask the Lord to speak to us. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are grateful for another Wednesday night that we can come together and we can lift our voices to you. God, I'm asking that you would open the windows of heaven, open up the floodgates, speak to us clearly. Let it be concise. God, let the word of God do what it was designed to do. How we give you praise. We give you all honor. We give you all glory. That's due unto your name. We pray in the name that's above every other name. In the name of Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing with me. Well, throughout the word of the Lord, we find it very interesting to note that God has an insight and a perspective that mankind does not normally possess. Oftentimes, this is because we are mortal and He is immortal. We are finite, but He is infinite. We tend to focus and judge by what we see on the outside and what can be seen with our eyes. But God does not work like that. But we see it over and over again. Some of the greatest leaders and even some of the most anointed of prophets found themselves stumbling in this very arena. It was in the book of 1 Samuel that we find God talking to the prophet of the Lord. He begins to speak clearly and emphatically to him and instructs him to go to the house of Jesse because in the house of Jesse he's going to anoint the next king over all of Israel. And so Samuel, just like a prophet of God should do and would do, he followed him at his command. He left his home and he set out to do what had been instructed for him to do. When he finally arrives, no doubt on his journey, his mind is racing. Uh, his thoughts are rolling through over and over again. How am I going to do this? If you really think about it, that's kind of an odd request that God puts on him. Because there's already a king in Israel. And so he has to be very cautious. He has to be very considerate of his actions and his words. He doesn't want to get in trouble with God, but he also doesn't want to get in trouble with the current king. So I can just envision him walking and praying to the Lord, asking for a direction, asking to make it clear that when he sees the man, he would know without a doubt that that's who it was. And so he gets to the house of Jesse and he begins to explain, begins to talk to Jesse and Jesse kind of jumps ahead and says, well, I think I know the reason why you're here. And I've got to introduce you to my eldest son, Eliab. And why don't you wait right here? Why don't you just take a seat in this lazy boy? i got a fresh cold Coke out of the fridge. And you just put your feet up and relax. My son's getting ready to come. Samuel's thinking, well, this is going to be a lot easier than what I thought. He just kind of relaxes and 
Here comes Eliab, the eldest son of Jesse. And as soon as he walks in the door, Samuel looks at him and he says within his own heart, he says, that is the Lord's anointed right there. He was tall, he was handsome, he was fit, he had everything that he thought needed to be in the characteristics of a king. And just as sure as Samuel thought that in his own mind, God began to speak to him. In 1 Samuel 16 and 7, he says, But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth. For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Make no mistake about it. The condition of the heart is what has always moved God. Huh? He sees beyond the outward. He sees beyond the facade. He sees beyond our looks, our height, our weight. He looks beyond our name, our status, our account. He sees what's on the inside. And what's on the inside is what always touches him. Because when Samuel went to anoint David as king, little did he know it was that young boy that prayed prayers like this. In Psalm 19 and 14, he said, Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. He prayed prayers like this, Psalm 139 and 23. He said, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. See if there's any wicked way in me and lead me not into the way of everlasting. He said, God, you can see what I don't see. I have to pray prayers like that. God, show me what I can't see. Show me what I don't understand. Show me how I can't comprehend it. Take anything out of me that's not pleasing to you. Even when Jesus came on the earth, he went about and he would heal. He would deliver. He would feed the hungry and he would help the poor. And we would find him coming to the synagogue. And the people would begin to worship. And he would take his disciples to the side. And he would explain to them common thoughts like this in Matthew 15 and 8. He said, these people, they honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I hear what they're saying, but I know how they're feeling. God has what other people don't have. He sees what's going on in our mind. He sees what's going on in our heart. He sees what's going on in our soul and in our spirit. And we wonder why David was a man after God's own heart. Maybe, just maybe, it was because he prayed prayers like this in Psalm 51 and 17. He said, a broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou will not despise. God sees beyond our faults. He sees beyond our flaws. He sees beyond our failures. If we can just open our heart to Him, He can work out the rough edges. He can work out the other issues that we're still trying to deal with. It's the heart that captures His attention every time. It was uh, Lou Nichols who wrote a book I read not long ago, and in this book he began to tell of a story of a little town. 
in this little town, they had a terrible storm come through. Violent. Brought all kind of devastation and destruction. Tore up uh, all kinds of buildings. and uh, Busted up trees and branches were in the road. and uh, Really wreaked a lot of havoc in that little town. So after the storm had finally ended, uh, the people and the community got together in the morning and began to work to start the cleanup process that happened because of this storm. Down in the main street of this little city, they had a beautiful park. And right in the center of this beautiful park, they had this big monster of an oak tree. It had been there for decades and generations. It seemed like anybody that went to the park, they had to go see this old oak tree. Kids would climb it. Kids would turn into teenagers who would graduate from high school and they would take pictures at this old oak tree. It had been a staple in the community for so long. Families would have their pictures taken. You would see this old oak tree. It had been there all the people's lives and all of the lives of their parents and grandparents. But as they began to clean up this storm and the effects and the damages because of it. They were bewildered. They were just in awe and amazement because when they got to the center of the town, they saw this old oak tree, and it was completely destroyed. How bad was that storm that it was able to take down this tree that had stood through storms, that had stood through lightning and thunder, it had stood through hurricanes and anything else that had come through before. What was so terrible about this storm this time? And they began to clean up the pieces, the branches. And as they began to clean it up, they noticed that on the inside of that old oak tree, it had been infected with termites and insects. Little did they know, they saw a standing tall oak tree. But what was going on on the inside was that termites were eating away its heart. And so when they thought it was the storm that destroyed the tree... It was never the storm that destroyed the tree. It was those little insects that began to eat away at the very heart of the tree. And I'm going to tell you the same holds true in this Christian walk with God. When you see people fall away and you see them lose out, it wasn't because a terrible storm came through. Because I've watched as people that have come to church through storms. There's people in the sanctuary tonight that are going through a terrible storm that's still raising their hands and still loving God and still magnifying His name. You can serve Him in the good and serve Him in the bad. You can serve Him when you're up on the mountain and you can serve Him when you're crawling through the valley. But I'm going to tell you, when we allow our heart to be exposed to sin, just little sins. You give it long enough, they'll eat away at the core of who you are. They'll eat away at your convictions. They'll eat away at your integrity. It'll eat away at your values that you've held on to for so long. And if we allow that to happen, our only option is to fall just like that old oak tree. It will lead to a spiritual heart condition. 
make no mistake, spiritual heart condition is not a respecter of persons. Uh, you can watch the greatest Christians. You can call. You can watch the most powerful preachers. You can watch the most honorable of men that have done great and wonderful things in the kingdom of God. But somewhere, somehow, their heart just wasn't perfect. And it led to their downfall. How can that be? Even in times of revival, even in times when the powerful manifestation of the Holy Ghost would fall, even in the scriptures we find people losing out with the Lord. At the very onset of the church in the book of Acts when the Holy Ghost fell in that upper room and 120 were filled, it led to a revival like none other. Peter got up and preached, and when he preached, the people responded. They said, what must we do? And when Peter preached that Acts 2.38 message, the Bible tells us that 3,000 people were converted. 3,000 people were saved on that particular day. And that just started what God was fixing to do. It was that very next chapter that when Peter went to the house of prayer that he saw a lame man. And together with John, when that lame man asked for money, Peter said, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have, give I to thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Grabbed that man by the hand and he stood up and then he leaped and started to jump and celebrate. Ran into the temple exclaiming that God had just completely healed him. It was Acts 4 that Peter stood before the magistrates and the rulers when they asked how he healed that lame man. How did he do that? What trick of the trade was it? What kind of emotional manipulation did you use to cause that man to walk? Peter said, oh, it's not in me. Acts 4.12, he says, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And they called him, they commanded him not to speak at all nor teach in that name. Acts 4.20, he said, for we cannot but speak the things which we've seen and heard. I didn't do this in myself. He became so infamous that the scriptures tell us that the people wanted to just let his shadow pass by. And if they could just come near to where his shadow was, they knew, they knew they could be healed because he walked with God. Something special started happening in that move of God. The Bible tells us that people were touched by the word of God they were so moved by the spirit that they started bringing money and laying it down at the apostles feet not just money and offerings but they began to lay the deeds to their houses they began to give their savings all that they had all that they had accumulated they would give it holding nothing back now that's a move of God when somebody's given up their house, that is really something special. And so in Acts 5, it's leading us to this point. 
People are getting the Holy Ghost. People are being healed. People are being delivered. Those are willing to give of themselves and give of their money and give of their finances and even give of their homes. Acts 5 begins with a couple by the name of Ananias and Sapphira. They were watching the response. They were watching the reply of the people during the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. They decided they needed to do something too. They were not going to be outdone. So they made this little pact. We're going to sell this piece of land. And we're going to give everything to the church. But in the reality of it, we're not going to give everything to the church. We're only going to give a portion of the money. But we're going to tell the church we gave everything. That sounds pretty good. So they came together. And they give this money, and the apostle Peter asks for them to come into the office. First meets with Ananias, and Ananias comes in, and, and this is just my mind. When Peter first got called by God, he was so bold and brazen. But you see, as he gets older and as his writings progress, he begins to take on a little more humility and meekness. And I could see him talking with Ananias and saying, Now, we never asked you to give any amount of money. I just want to get that out in case you want to tell me something. Oh, I don't know what you're talking about. Finally, Peter, can't you almost see, you can almost hear this elder beginning to speak slowly. Now, Ananias, we never asked anybody to sell their house. Now, people have, and they've given it to the church. They've given it to the kingdom of God. But that's never a requirement to walk with the Lord. So if there's something you want to tell me, just go ahead and tell me, and everything will be all right. And Ananias again says, no, no, we, we sold this land, and we're giving everything. We're giving everything to the church. Finally, Peter stands there for a minute looks at him and says, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? What happened, buddy? We never asked this of you. You're, if you think about it, they're kind of model Christians. They are giving. They're givers, buddy. They're worshipers. They're praisers. They're doing everything right. But their heart, their heart wasn't perfect. And Peter said, why did you do this? Why did you open your heart to Satan and let him do this to you? And in a moment, that man's life was taken. Sapphira comes. And Peter, surely, he's thinking now, they're going to tell me the truth now. They're going to tell me the truth just tell me what's going on. You don't have to sugarcoat anything. Just tell me the truth. Remember, this is the man that preached on the day of Pentecost. This is the one that reached his hand and touched the lame man and he was healed. This is the one that his shadow was passing by and people were being healed. And Sapphira said the same thing as Ananias. No, nope, we gave everything. 
He said, the same thing to happen to your husbands. He's getting, it's getting ready to happen to you. In other words, he said, your heart became contaminated just like your husband's. Why did you allow this to happen? Why did you allow this to take place? You're doing everything right. But your heart. I feel the Holy Ghost right now. Sometimes we have to be careful that we don't just get in a little get in a little rut where we just put it on cruise and we do everything right. We're doing everything right. I'm coming, I'm giving, I'm praising, I'm worshiping, and all the while. I can't tell for you and you can't tell for me. But you know when your heart's not really right like it needs to be. Matter of fact, your husband can't tell you. Your wife cannot tell you. Your kids can't tell you. Your mother, your father can't. You know the pastor can't even tell you. But you know as well as I do, God sees everything. And I want to make sure that I don't just dot the I. And I want to make sure I don't just cross the T. I want to make sure that I'm not just giving and I'm not just showing up and doing what I know I'm supposed to do. But I want to make sure my heart, God search my heart. God search my heart. God cleanse my heart. My heart has got to be right with Him. I wonder, could you raise your hands to the Lord just for a moment? Oh, I feel the Lord talking to us today. I feel the Lord speaking to us in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Oh, hallelujah to God. Hallelujah to God. In Jesus' name. The music's getting ready to come. I'm not going to be too much longer. Amaziah, he got, he got sidetracked somehow. He got sidelined. He started just doing what he thought was right, but never made sure his heart was in it. Sometimes you can tell when someone's heart really isn't in it. And they will pay. And Amaziah paid like never before. Matter of fact, him and the three descendants of his bloodline are the only kings omitted in the book of Matthew under the genealogy of the kings. Why is that? Other kings did way worse. Some kings were immoral. Some kings were ungodly. Some were unrighteous. But for some reason, when your heart gets messed up, God does not take pleasure in it. Not long ago, we were at a church in South Carolina, and there was a young girl there, not very old, but she got saved. And I'm telling you, when she got into the church, she gave everything 110%. And so she was going to church, and she was doing everything she knew how to do. The problem was that she had a father that did not understand it, did not like it, did not bless it. And so she tried her best to win him over, tried her best to convince him to come to church. And so finally... She got him to come and he sat in the last row and sat back and just watched the service. The Holy Ghost would begin to move and the pastor would begin to preach under the anointing of heaven. The word of the Lord would be spoken in the atmosphere and God would move. 
all the while, he would never respond, never move a muscle, would act so staunch and even go so far to mock and ridicule and make fun at the people worshiping the Lord. The pastor didn't know it at the time, but this girl had to go home to a bad situation. And he would humiliate her and make her feel awkward and embarrassed because of her lifestyle, her holiness, the way she dressed, the way she acted, the way she lived. But even though it wasn't an easy road ahead, she kept on serving God. Her dad would come to church one other time, but never made a response, never made a decision to walk with God. Matter of fact, would give his daughter fits and call the pastor and give him a hard time and bother people at the church. Until finally, late at night, the pastor said, I got a phone call. Told me who it was that he got a phone call from. This young lady who now was... 20 years old and in college. She said, Pastor, I got a favor I need to ask you. She said, my dad, we think he had a heart attack. He's in the hospital. And I know that he has not been a fan of your church and he's not been a fan of your ministry. But would you please do what I know you could do? Would you please go to the hospital and pray for him? And so... Like so many other pastors before, even though they were talked bad about, even though they were looked down, what did they do? They got themselves out of bed, put their suit on, and went down to the hospital and prayed for somebody who never showed him an ounce of respect. Got there, said I was walking to the room he was in, and there was some yelling going on. So I just kind of stood there for a moment outside the door and he finally peeked in and the man was laying in the hospital bed and he was yelling at the doctor and finally when he looked in he said Pat, Reverend, Reverend come in here uh, talk some sense to this doctor so he said I, I walked in and didn't know what I was walking into he said I was trying to be very cautious with how I acted what I said didn't know what had happened before he said, well, what's going on? The man laying in the hospital bed said, it's okay, doctor. This is the preacher. Go ahead and tell him what you told me. He said, well, pastor, this man has had a heart attack. He's in congestive heart failure. But now is not the time for an operation. The pastor paused and thought about it. Before he could respond, the man said, but I, don't, I still don't understand what you're saying. doesn't make any sense to me. He said, well, here's the issue. Your arteries are so hard, hardened, clogged. If we were to risk a surgery, 99% certain you would go into cardiac arrest, you would die. So we're trying to treat you with some medicine because right now a surgery it's just out of the question. And finally, the man laying there said, I know, Reverend, I don't understand what he's saying either. He said, Doctor, I'm a simple man. You got to make it plain to me. I don't understand what you're saying. Finally, the doctor said, Your heart is so hard, you can't be helped. Your heart 
has gotten so hard, the physician can't even perform surgery on you anymore. That man ended up passing away. The pastor said he had to do one of the hardest funerals in his life because he had to preach the funeral of a man whose heart was for sure not right with God. I don't want my heart to get hard that he can't perform a little surgery on me. I don't want my heart. Don't you feel the Lord right now trying to talk to us? I don't want anything to get in. I don't want any bitterness. I don't want to deal with the anger problem. I don't want to hold a grudge against somebody. And and my heart starts getting hard that the physician, the chief physician, cannot reach down and shake me and speak to me and talk to me. I want God to be able to speak to me. I wonder tonight as every head is bowed, as every eye is closed with nobody looking around. I know it's a Wednesday evening. Normally it's a Bible study night. But I feel so strong in the Lord this evening that God wants to talk to us. We're not saying that anybody's in sin or anybody's not right with God. But perhaps, just perhaps, maybe the Lord's reaching for us to draw us just a little bit closer. Possibly the Lord is trying to speak to us, saying, why don't you just get rid of whatever it is that you got in there? What is it that's stopping you from growing? What is it that's stopping you from pursuing ministry? What is it that's stopping you from winning souls? What is it that's stopping you? Ah, yasando bohusa. I feel the Lord right now. I'm just going to stay here just for a moment. You can do what's right. You can do what's right. But at the end of the day, what really matters, what really matters, is not so much doing what's right, but making sure your heart is right. So you can do what you know you need to do. Can we open our souls to God just for a moment? Father, in the name of Jesus. Ah, You know what needs to be spoken. You know what needs to be done. I'm praying right here on a stormy Wednesday night that God, you would speak. And Lord, when you speak, there is no question. When you speak, there is no doubt. When you speak, there are no reservations. We know that you have spoken. God, we're praying right now. We're opening our hearts. We're opening our souls. We're opening our spirits to you. Speak to me. God, if you don't speak to anybody else, would you speak to me? Lord, if you don't deal with anyone else in the sanctuary, I'm asking tonight, God, would you deal with me? Because above all else, i got to be saved. I don't want anything. I don't want anything. I don't want anything stopping me. I don't want anything constricting me from that place called heaven. Oh, hallelujah. Can we stand all across the house tonight? If you'd like to come and pray, we're going to open the altar on Wednesday night. Why don't you like to come down and pray? Oh, hallelujah. Come on, maybe you can find a place. You just kneel and talk to God. Just you and Him. Nobody else. Nobody else. Just you and Him. God, I want my heart to be...
This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.